What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. If you like what you're hearing, why not try a StephCast subscription? Only $4.95 a month if you buy a year in advance. Go to stephaniemiller.com to find out how. Doctor, have you ever been interviewed by someone with a giant picture of your face on their chest before? I have to kind of search through the file cabinet. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to open. I'm going to think about it, Stephanie, but uh, I'm very impressed. I'm just saying available now at stephaniemiller.com. George, the fantastic graphic designer, said I want something... Um, you know, slightly menacing and still sexy. And I think he has a he, he nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Well, do, my, do you prescribe urethra for my <laughs> exploding uvula syndrome or is a urethra actually the infection? <laughs> well, it depends on whether the FDA is listening as to whether I can actually answer right. your question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't get him in trouble. Better safe right, than sorry. sorry. <laughs> okay. Let's pull him into yeah. our shenanigans. Yeah. Um, Doc, yeah. can I just say I read our friend Aaron Rupar's tweet and this is kind of how I'm feeling. He said, obviously glad things are trending in a, a positive direction, but a little disoriented by how quickly we went from the carnage of Omicron wave to mission accomplished attitude about the pandemic. I know a lot of people, one of our listeners tweeted that I'm, they're on the streets of New York and most people are still wearing a mask. Um, I know that I'm still going to wear a mask if I'm out among other people. Um, what's your take on it? I know I was reading your tweets. You said you said hard to get a fix on the status of COVID. Cases are down. Fatalities are high. Vaccination rates are low. We still have an epic struggle between science and rampant malignant misinformation. Vaccines remain a must. Well, so so tell us just essentially yeah. how you're feeling. I think we're dealing with a greatly improved situation from two points of view. Number one, cases are down, hospitalizations are down, deaths are a little down, but we're still dealing with over 1,900 deaths every single day. Uh, And the other thing is, if we compare our status to a year ago, we are, relatively speaking, obviously we're we're much better vaccinated and therefore protected. So a snapshot looks better. What I'm more concerned about is the video, like where are we going with this? Is this going to stay? as a downward trend of all those uh, criteria that we're tracking, or uh, will we get some sort of resurgence, either of that uh, subvariant of Omicron that we've talked about, the BA2, or uh, some other variant. And the other variant concern is, is something that may not be, uh, you may not be protected against with the vaccines that we've gotten. That said, I'm, I don't want to be a, like a downer here because the fact of the matter is we have to be recognizing the fact that things are much better than they were a year ago. And 
if you had a choice, you want the trends to be downward, not upward, and they're downward. And then there's the whole political issue, Stephanie, which is what we heard in the uh, State of the Union speech, where President Biden said, uh, basically, we're going to get back to normal now. We want to be back to normal, which is the thing that you and I have talked about for, I don't know, a year, more. Mm -hmm. how, long are, how long is it going to take before we can actually get back to normal? And the snapshot says, hey, we're doing pretty good. The word of caution is, how long will that last? And that's where we are still. We're just kind of trying to figure out where this is going. And for the most part, we don't know. You know, um, I was saying, I, I think a lot of it, too, has to do with, I just anecdotally know several friends that have gotten it, uh, you know, breakthrough cases that are triple vaxxed. And I know our transmission rate here in L.A. is high. And one of them we just had on a couple days ago, right, Travis, our friend Jackie. She was sort of honest about saying, yeah, I got a breakthrough case. It's my fault. I, I, want, I really wanted to go dancing. <laughs> I decided to be okay, and I got COVID. I mean, it, it's so, you know, that's, and, and I know another friend got it at an outdoor luncheon at a restaurant here. You know, I mean, it's just so, I, I yeah. think, so when you look at your community and see transmissions high, because I know in 72% of the country, it's lower medium, right? I mean, what does that mean? And what I think with all the home testing, how do we know what infection rates are in our community? Can you talk to us? We about don't that? know. A lot of those home tests, the majority of them are not reported anywhere. People just get the tests. And people that are positive with mild symptoms feel no real reason or obligation to, to report the results of those tests anywhere. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what we're dealing with a very uh, kind of complicated situation right now. And, uh, you know, if we have people that are getting sick after being vaccinated, which you know happens to many of us myself included then we're still not in a situation where we can say okay everybody masks off the cdc's new guidelines by the way say and we're talking about you know school masking and general masking for people but the community situation is one of the key drivers of whether you should be wearing masks or not so if the number of cases is going up um, and the hospitalizations are still high, and COVID patients in the hospital is are still at a high rate, then you have to be more cautious. Uh, and if I were in LA with rising numbers, I'd be wearing a mask too, man. You got you know, you're doing the right thing here. Yeah, well, I, that's what. But you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you saw this horrible scene with Ron DeSantis yesterday. I sometimes feel shamed or bullied that oh, I'm being overly cautious. But you know what? I we don't know the effects of long COVID yet. I've already had it. I don't want it again. I think you heard Senator Tim Kaine talking yesterday about having long COVID and how he, yeah. he said he feels like all his nerves have had. 10 cups of caffeine every day that he was talking about just that it, it, it's not pretty <laughs> what, what he feels all the time he's dealing with long covid yeah yeah it, it's it's a, a terrible disease actually and one of the things that's unsettling is that you if you go to the doctor the doctor can't tell you what the prognosis is going to be uh it, it can't tell you whether six months from now you still have some symptoms or not and i think that's very disconcerting most things that you get you can get a pretty good idea from the medical community. Okay, you have this, and this is how long it generally lasts. And if we give you this medication, it'll be better. This is not the case with COVID, the long COVID, which to me is going to be one of the major concerns uh, in the long aftermath, acute phase of this. Yeah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, <clears throat> I was going to say, I felt a little better, like I, again, not taking crazy pills that the majority of Americans say COVID is not over and we should still have some restrictions in place, which is ironic because, as you've said, it's political pressure that have caused a lot of these governors and places to lift all the restrictions thinking they have to because the public, you know, sentiment. But the public sentiment is not there. Most people are still cautious. So, yeah. I mean, what do you think when you see a Ron DeSantis bullying high school kids to take their masks off and saying it doesn't work? I mean, it's just... It, you're no, he, he, look, what I think about Ron DeSantis didn't start yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about a guy who's off the rails, who's anti-science, whose aspirations to be uh, president of the United States uh, overwhelm any degree of thinking that he might have been capable of. I have no idea what he's capable of, but I do know that he's capable of doing whatever it takes in his mind to become president. Um, and if it means lying to people, bullying people, making fun of people who actually believe in science, he's got no problem with that. And I, I think that's what we're going to see. It's going to be really incredible, Steph, to see what happens around the midterms, how politicians are going to abuse misinformation if that's what they think the pulse of the nation, their district or state calls for. And I, I think we're going to be in for a real you know, circus around the midterms yeah. in part to different ways of uh, pushing either fear uh, or, or other kind of craziness about, uh, about uh, COVID. Yeah. You tweeted have, um, there in New York, they, you said Mayor Adams has hit the right COVID cord. Uh, don't let up on science-based policies. Be prepared for a new surge, but allow people to adapt to a new normal and focus on other challenges. Um Give us your take on that and also the president, President Biden's plan that he laid out, because I I liked what he said. I can't guarantee you there's not going to be a new variant. But, you know, obviously the getting tested in an antiviral pill on the spot, you know, uh, free of charge. I think that's a fantastic idea. What did you think in general? Talk about New York and then Biden's plan. Yeah. So first of all, in New York, um, Nothing has really changed in terms of uh, the uh, COVID policies, except relaxation of masks uh, in restaurants and some indoor venues for people that are unvaccinated. We're still recommending that I mean, for people that are vaccinated even, but people that are unvaccinated are still at risk and they still should be wearing masks. Will there be enforcement of that? You know, when you go into a restaurant in New York, people are saying, let me see your ID and your vaccination records. And there'll be some relaxations there. But the point of my tweet about Adams is that he has a huge city, eight and a half million people with all kinds of problems from dealing with crime, uh, jobs, the economy and so on. And I think he is rightly saying, OK, we're going to we're going to do what we need to do from science based information to deal with covid. But I have to deal with these other issues as well. I think that's healthy. You know, I must say, Stephanie, I was not crazy about this plan 
to have people get tested in a pharmacy and then immediately get a prescription. Uh, is for a variety of reasons, the prescriptions for Paxlovid uh, as the main uh, antiviral for COVID are not exactly safe, especially for taking other medicines. Mm. Many, many older yeah. people are taking medicines for, you know, for blood pressure, for various uh, heart conditions, et cetera. Uh, at least 50% of people over 60 are taking some other medications, okay. which can, with Paxlovid, cause complications. I don't like the idea of an automatic prescription coming from a pharmacist uh, without having your your doc, you know, kind of review what it is. I have a better idea, and that would be to just get vaccinated. Um, <laughs> and you've said this, like, it just begins and ends with this, doesn't it? I look at the worldwide. I keep saying this. We're at 65%. The top countries are at 95%. How do we get vac? Uh, you know, we're in the bottom percentage of countries vaccinated. That that is all, only everything, isn't it? Getting more people vaccinated. People vaccinated. You know, look, there's there are countries in Africa where the vaccination rates are, you know, ten to fifteen percent. That has to do with supplies. Yeah, distribution. I'm talking about like yeah, wealthy countries like us. Well, yeah. we're talking about right, the high income countries. We're doing not well at all. They're they're more vaccinated. And uh, they have less, fewer fatalities. And that's, you know, real information. This is, what's, this is what has to drive decisions here about what we're doing. But at some point, Stephanie, for those who are unvaccinated, good luck to you. Yeah. You know, good yeah. luck to you. Yep. I, I, that's why, that's why we're also selling Let's Go Darwin t-shirts, along with <laughs> our Dr. Doom t-shirts. Real quick, Doc, I know we're running long. I just wanted, there was another study, but just goes to why we should get vaccinated and mask until we're really through this is hospitals. They did a, a, a recent study highlights the importance of keeping hospital capacity and resources at the forefront of pandemic strategy. Um, <clears throat> researchers looked at how a shortage of ECMO machines affected COVID patients at the height of the pandemic. Um, they're the thing even after being uh what's the word, you know, intubated. Mm -hmm. um, once a patient was determined to be medically eligible to receive it, a separate assessment was performed if they had enough the team found 90% of the patients who were referred for ECMO but didn't receive it died in the hospital despite being young, young with few other uh, health yeah, issues. Yeah. And yeah. they said even when uh, saving ECMO for the youngest, healthiest, and sickest patient, we can only provide it to a fraction of patients who qualified. And that's why we have nearly a million dead. So this is also about hospital capacity, isn't it? It certainly is. And this is, you know, when we say, well, what do we think about what's happening with COVID right now? We're saying, where we hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Mm -hmm. And yeah. one of the things that's very, very disconcerting is that we won't have enough hospital supplies. ECMO, ECMO, uh, is a way of bringing a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot more oxygen into the body for people who are struggling to breathe. Uh, it's more effective than just intubating them and put people, putting people on a regular respirator. But ECMO is critical. Yeah. So if we right now that we're having shortages. We should do whatever we need to do to make sure that we've stockpiled everything. Yep. And um, I think our I, point is get your shot. Just do it. Just do it. Okay. Sorry. I, I love my favorite part of this interview was me explaining to, to you what an ECMO machine is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dr. Doom. I'm touching you. I am touching you. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> cool. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. See you <laughs> next week.